We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Cats and kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with D Crom. I'm your host, David Cromolo. Joined as always by my right hand man, Hale Bent, to full press coverage. The holiday season has arrived, yet the NFL only made it sweeter with one of the most unforgettable weekends in recent memory. Week 15 brought us the largest comeback victory in the league's 103 year history and several other photo finishes, including arguably the craziest play to end a game that we'll ever see. And with Christmas just stays away, I'm begging, and I mean begging, Santa and the football gods to make what just happened merely a warm-up act for what's to come. Aren't you, Hal? (laughs) Definitely for sure, David. This should be uh, a wild Christmas holiday weekend with the NFL on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, uh, basically wall-to-wall football. What more could you ask for from Santa? You could definitely ask for more, including more thrilling finishes like the ones we saw last week because it is a tight race for the playoffs in both conferences, especially for those wild card spots. And we will get to all of that eventually in our program. But first, let's talk about our biggest lesson learned from week 15. What was yours, Hal? Well, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals defense, they may have had a few words for Tom Brady. Um, they may have a few words for me as well. I've been talking uh, Super Bowl hangover for the Bengals and particularly that defense all season long. And now uh, I keep underrating them and Louie Anarumo's defense uh is doing the job for the Bengals. And between that defense clicking on all cylinders and now rushing into the top 10 as a defense, uh, the offense is clicking as well in Cincinnati, that much maligned offensive line that allowed 29 sacks in the first eight games of the season has allowed just eight in the last six games. And that's a big reason why the Bengals are the hottest team. So Cincinnati, Mia culpa, I know your defense called out Tom Brady after the game. Feel free to call me out as well. I certainly deserve it. You are uh, making a case that uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, there's no Super Bowl hangover here. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned the Bengals because that leads into my biggest lesson learned from week 15. The AFC has three legit Super Bowl contenders right now. We were saying all season long, Chiefs Bills, Chiefs Bills, Chiefs Bills, but now the Bengals have squarely entered the conversation. Like you said, their defense and Lou Anarumo's complex creative schemes are just a headache for opposing offenses right now, and the Bengals' offensive line has gelled, and they are literally clicking on all cylinders on both sides of the ball. Heck, Uh, You can make a case that the Bengals have as good or better of a shot to get to the Super Bowl than the Bills or the Chiefs, who they've been owning recently, dare I say. So that is my biggest lesson learned for Week 15. And now on to our GOAT of the Week honors, and I will go first here. Uh, So many well-deserving candidates this week, but I just cannot uh, afford to not give my GOAT of the Week honors to one Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins is a guy that we like to 
poo-poo on all the time because uh, he isn't the most elite athlete. He's not the best quarterback. Heck, he is on that fringe of, uh, is he re- is he a franchise quarterback or not? He's like dangerously in the middle of that mystery, but he still gets the job done. And he had a career day on Saturday. Uh, he threw for 460 yards in the Vikings, 33 point come from behind victory over the Colts, but 417 of those yards and four touchdowns came after halftime. That is a powerful symbol of the season that Kirk Cousins and the Vikings are having. Just a resilient, gritty team, always finding ways to win. And that's why he is my go to the week for week 15. What about your go to the week for week 15, Hal? Well, I mean, we've been talking about this player all year long and elite athlete, definitely uh, franchise quarterback. That was a hopefully, but I think we're seeing that transition week after week. He keeps doing it over and over again. And last week was no difference. My go to the week, Trevor Lawrence, another super strong performance leading the Jacksonville Jaguars to another win and right into that playoff competition as well. The Jaguars are alive and kicking, and I love it. Uh, So Trevor Lawrence, another 318 yards, four touchdown performance. This is what we've been waiting for. He's carrying this team on his back. He is the true franchise player he was drafted to be, and we're seeing it now in the second half of season number two. Oh, we absolutely are, Hal. We were talking about Trevor Lawrence last week and how he's arrived. If anybody had any doubts before last Sunday, whether or not Trevor Lawrence has arrived, those doubts better be gone right now. No doubt about it. He is stepping up and playing on a whole new level, and it is wonderful to see. That's what we've been waiting for, and he is fulfilling that promise in Jacksonville with a little stability there at last in the coaching ranks that uh, upset his rookie season. You couldn't have summed it up better there, Hal. And what about your dunce of the week for week 15? Well, I, you mentioned uh, Kirk Cousins and that amazing comeback by the Vikings, but the other side of the coin there, um, you know, somebody blew that 33 to nothing lead and it wasn't just any Uh, head coach it was the least experienced head coach in the NFL which leads me to ask once again Jim Ursay what are you doing Uh, owner of the Indianapolis Colts come on if there wasn't a sign that Jeff Saturday was a colossal mistake colossal mistake this fourth straight loss coming out of a bye week my god worst worst biggest choke in nfl history yeah there's your sign go get a real head coach jim ursay dunce of the week oh it's definitely hard to go against that hell like trevor lawrence is who we thought he was as a star franchise quarterback jeff saturday is who we thought he was as the most embarrassing nonsensical interim head coaching hire in modern NFL history. Not only should he not be allowed to coach the Colts full-time next season, the Colts should pull the plug on him with just three weeks left to go. What do you think? 
Definitely. There was no reason to hire him, no good reason for him to be there. And, you know, it was insulting to hire him as we talked last month with, you know, John Fox and Gus Bradley already there, capable, ready to step in in an interim basis. And instead, they were slapped in the face by Dunce Jim Ursay. Uh, terrible decision. No reason to keep him around. It, uh, Seasons lost. Why, you know, uh, why are you going to leave him around so he can have a one in seven record as an interim <laughs> head coach instead of one in four? Like, oh, no. what's the point at this time? It, ugh, jettison him. I agree with you yeah. 100%. What's the point, indeed? And for my Dunce of the Week award for week 15, I'm going out on a little bit of a limb and giving it to a guy who we've praised for the vast majority of the season, and rightfully so. Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel, with his innovative offensive scheme, has elevated Tua Tungavoyloa to the player we expected him to be coming out of college. And he's almost single-handedly transformed that Dolphins culture for the better. But what the hell were you thinking Saturday night in the Buffalo snow, Mike McDaniel? Mike McDaniel? You were leading the game 26-21 going into that fourth quarter. And your running game was working better than it had all season long, averaging about seven yards per carry. Yet you only ran the ball three times in the fourth quarter. Oh, my goodness. What were you thinking, Mike McDaniel? Oh, Mike McDaniel, as successful as a rookie head coaching campaign as you've had, that decision just might come back to bite you and be the difference and playing a game on wildcard weekend and watching the entire playoffs play out from your couch. That's all there is to it. Mike McDaniel, you are my dunce of the week for week 15. And now let's go to Philly where the Eagles are facing a rather delicate dilemma as quarterback Jalen Hurts suffered a sprain to his throwing shoulder and is unlikely to play against the Cowboys this weekend. Philly needs just one more win to lock up both the NFC East title and the NFC's number one playoff seed and thus a first round bye. And their remaining schedule consists of a trip to Dallas to face the Cowboys on Christmas Eve, as I alluded to, followed by home games against the Saints in week 17 and the Giants in week 18. Based on that schedule and the cushion the Eagles have in the division and conference, can they afford to rest Jalen Hurts for these next two or three games? Yes. They, I think they don't have a choice. I mean, you can't go into the playoffs with Jalen Hurts at less than close to 100% because you are trying to uh, hold on to that first week by. Um, sorry, the Eagles with a healthy Jalen Hurts. I don't care if you have to go into San Francisco for the AFC championship game, go to Minnesota, go to Dallas. It doesn't matter if you've got Jalen Hurts healthy, you've got the best team in the NFL or at least the NFC right now. And they should be able to go on the road and beat any of those teams. But if you've got an injured Jalen Hurts at 70%, 75%, because you didn't rest him long enough during the regular season, well, that's how you lose in the postseason and get upset. So um, very simply, the answer is yes, they have to rest him and get him as close to 100% as possible. Yes, and plus, uh, Garner Minshew is no slouch for a backup. Heck, he might be one of the top three backup quarterbacks of the entire NFL. He is more than capable of winning one of those three games, isn't he? 
He certainly is. He's a very capable backup. There's a reason they got him. Uh, he started in the league. He's had success. And there's nothing more you can ask for out of a backup quarterback. And I don't know a backup quarterback other than Mike White, maybe with that bravado and swagger that he would bring to the table um, and inspire that team around him and have those guys playing to win for him. Definitely. And these next two or three games could also be a resume builder for Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen, who is widely expected to land a head coaching job uh, in 2023. And uh, if there is any uh, icing on the cake for his resume, this is it to show that the Eagles offense is not going to miss a beat without Jalen Hurts because he knows how to tailor the offense immediately to what Gardner Minshew does well. So Shade Steichen is a name for all NFL fans to keep in mind these next several weeks. And now from the team with the best record in the NFL to the team with the worst record in the NFL in Houston, where even though the Texans have only won one game so far this season with only three more to go, you could definitely make a case that Lovey Smith has gotten the absolute utmost out of one of the most talent-poor rosters in modern NFL memory. They have been tied or ahead in seven games entering the fourth quarter and came within inches of upsetting the Cowboys and Chiefs these past two weeks. So my question is, Hale, would it be a big mistake for the Texans to fire Lovey Smith and move to a third head coach in three seasons? Uh, you know... It's a big mistake if you don't have a franchise-altering head coach lined up. Like bringing in uh, an unproven offensive coordinator, it's not worth it. Let Lovey take the lumps and build that culture next year as well. But if you've got somebody interested in coming in like a Sean Payton or something that'll take the job in Houston, I doubt he would. But hey, you got enough money, he might do it. Uh, if you can get a, a franchise changing head coach, then by all means, pull the trigger. But otherwise, Lovey's earned the right to continue to take his lumps with this team and build that winning culture. Because like you said, they've been competitive. They may not have the W's, but they have a lot of close games. And when you're looking at talent wise, you know, it's they're down 14 before the game even starts based on mm -hmm. talent to be hanging in there and losing by four points or six points or a touchdown. That's a great head coaching job. So yeah, I, unless you've got Sean Payton or someone bring bring lovey back. Oh, I agree. And last week against the chiefs, get this. They had no Damian Pierce, who's arguably their best offensive player. No Brandon cooks and no Derek Stingley Jr. That's how much of a disadvantage they were at heading into that game. And yet they arguably should have won that game. Yes. <laughs> so that just sums up the outstanding job Lovey has done this season with the bad hand he was dealt. And last week in Vegas, your Patriots suffered the heartbreaking loss of heartbreaking losses. And the worst part is, is that it ties into a theme we've repeatedly seen with the Pats this season, making situational errors that are absolutely incongruous with a Bill Belichick coach team, such as those multiple special teams miscues in the Thanksgiving Day affair with the Vikings, and of course, last Sunday's lateral to hell, as I alluded to in the intro. Why are the Patriots committing so many such errors this season? And what changes, whether to coaching or front office at all, need to be made for 2023 in New England? 
Well, I mean, you're seeing what happens in the NFL, attrition not only on the field, in the draft, consistently picking at the back of the, the NFL draft, but also in the coaching staff. And that hasn't gotten enough attention in New England. Bill Belichick at a point where the head coach should be delegating more and more and be a figurehead after 20 years. Uh, you know, Josh McDaniels out at offensive coordinator, uh, offensive line coaches. You know, I mean, uh, 10 years ago, you look at the 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 coaches that were on this team and you're looking at safeties. Brian Flores coaching your safeties. You had Patrick Graham as a defensive line coach. Um, you know, Chad O'Shea as your wide receivers coach. George Godsey, tight end coach. Uh, Ivan Fares, over 30 years in New England as running backs coach. Dante Scarnecchia, over 30 years as offensive line coach. Both of them predating Bill Belichick. You had Josh McDaniels. You had Brian Dable as an offensive assistant to Josh McDaniels. I mean, the quality of coaches that you had, you know, pick a year, they were all there. And now you look at this year and it's, you know, Belichick's kids, um, you know, a couple of young guys learning on the job and, you know, a couple of failed head coaches that he brought back and, you know, whether you want to call it a failed experiment or whatever, but uh, Joe Judge, put him back on special teams coach, Matt, Patricia, put him back on the defense, um, get some fresh blood, some fresh ideas, a fresh voice for these players to listen to because the breakdowns, you know, I mean, ugh, offensive breakdown, you know, the last play of the game, but the laterals ridiculous should have never happened. Offensive coordinator should have hammered that into their head before that final series and final play letting the Raiders drive down the field to score that tying touchdown. It doesn't matter whether his foot was in or out. They weren't stopping the Raiders right there. It was clear. They were cleaving through that prevent defense there that they didn't file up any pressure, didn't do anything uh, to take away the sidelines on that drive, uh, allowed them to convert a fourth and 10 terrible performance on that side of the ball and right before halftime don't forget that block punt that gave the Raiders a free seven points right before the halftime breakdowns in all three phases and I'm putting that yes some of that's on the players but a lot of that is on the coaches and Bill Belichick can only spread himself so thin trying to cover all three areas they need talent infusion on the field but especially um, around Bill Belichick in that coaching room Oh, yeah. Bill Belichick is definitely missing those uh, longtime assistants. Ivan Fears, Dante Skarnecchia, you name it. The, the players in those uh, departments, uh, running backs, uh, offensive line, uh, they have definitely uh, gone downhill uh, since those two assistants retired in New England. So uh, Bill Belichick is definitely going to be hunting for new minds to help him out uh, going forward. And now it's time to play our favorite game on this program, Truth or Exaggeration. You know how this game works. I make a statement, and your job, Hal, is to let me know whether you think I'm telling the truth or whether you think I'm exaggerating and why. And we start in Arizona, where General Manager Steve Kime announced that he is taking an indefinite health-related leave of absence. With that, the Cardinals should use this window of opportunity to move on from both Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury. Truth or Exaggeration. Truth, truth, truth. Neither one of them deserved the extensions they got. Swallow the money. 
this is a failed experiment. The two of them uh, got those extensions before this season without earning them. Use this opportunity. Nobody should be losing their job uh, being on a health-related leave of absence. But you know what? You got an opportunity. Take advantage of it. Clean house in Arizona. That franchise is a mess right now. Oh, you said it, Hal. That team is a mess from top to bottom. And moving on to my Chicago Bears. Should they be picking at two or three overall in the draft, it is a better idea for the Bears to stay put and take either Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, if one or both are available, than to trade down for more picks. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, you know, (laughs) you just say Jalen Carter, and I'm like, oh, yes, yes, yes. Get him, get him, get him. That guy is a difference maker on the defensive line. No doubt about it. Can't miss prospect. Um, You know, if I want to say, you know, if you can trade down one or two spots, and pick up an extra pick or two, maybe you want to take that risk. But uh, no, you need a talent infusion on the defensive side in Chicago, and they should be grabbing whichever one they think is the best defensive player that they can plug into their system and get uh, an instant impact. So yeah, all over Jalen Cotter if it's me in Chicago. Let me tell you that. So truth, 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 David. Yep, keep that in mind, Bears fans. Uh, Jalen Carter and Will Anderson are both otherworldly talents that the Bears need on defense, and that's why it might be wise to just stay put and take one of them, assuming the board falls the way it does to the Bears on draft night. And listen to these numbers, Hal. The most receiving yards in the first four career seasons. Number one, Michael Thomas with 5,512. Number two, Randy Moss with 5,396. Number three, Torrey Holt, 5,088. Number four, Jerry Rice, 4,881. Number five, A.J. Green, 4,874. And number six, Justin Jefferson with 4,639. And he still has three games left in his third season. Talk (laughs) about that. That just subs up how special Justin Jefferson is. So truth or exaggeration. Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in the NFL right now and the front runner for 2022 NFL Offensive Player of the Year honors. Ah, uh, yeah, I feel like I've been fighting this all year long. Yes, ish. You know what? I, I, I'm going to switch it. I'm, you know, I've been fighting and saying, no, no, no. Tyreek Hill is right there, neck to neck, a nose ahead of him. But, but you know, those numbers have dropped off in the last three or four weeks for Tyreek Hill and coinciding with that losing streak while Justin Jefferson is getting stronger and stronger. So, yeah, I got to say, three weeks ago, I would have thrown down with a big exaggeration, but I've come around. It's a truth. Sorry, Tyreek. Yeah, Tyreek is still close to Jefferson, but what Jefferson has been doing these past three years is just so special. He's uh, earned his dues, dare I say, for such an an honor uh, at the NFL level. And moving on to the Cowboys, who – 
couple weeks ago, came oh so close to embarrassingly losing to the Texans. And last week, absolutely choked against the Jaguars. Granted, Trevor Lawrence is the man, no doubt about it, but uh, choking away a lead like that is inexcusable for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. So truth or exaggeration, the Cowboys are going to flame out early in the playoffs again, and Mike McCarthy will be fired as a result. Let's call this a half-truth and a half-exaggeration. <laughs> the Cowboys are going to flame out in the playoffs. Yes, we know that's going to happen. It happens every year in Dallas. Um, but exaggeration, no. But the rest of the country screaming for his head. Jerry's going to give Mike McCarthy one more chance and say, oh, you know, he had a great regular season record, blah, blah, blah. I got to give him another shot, and we'll see McCarthy back again in Dallas next year, despite they're flaming out in the playoffs this year. Oh, going to be interesting to see nonetheless. And moving to Green Bay, if Aaron Rodgers decides to play at least one more year with the Packers, then they should trade their first two draft picks in 2023 for a disgruntled star wide receiver. Truth or exaggeration? You know, earlier in the year, I would have said this is the truth, but I'm telling you that defense, I don't know what's going on in Green Bay. That should be a top five defense in the league, and it's not. No, you've got to hold on to those picks. You've got to reload on both sides of the ball. Yes, you need a wide receiver. We're seeing it with the NFL right now. That high-profile wide receiver is changing the game, whether it's Tyreek Hill in Miami, Stefan Diggs in Buffalo, uh, Devontae Adams, Las Vegas, you, you need that big number one wide receiver. So uh, Green Bay, you as much as you need that wide receiver for that offense, you still got to take care of the other side of the ball. So you can't be giving away your top two draft picks. So I've got to go with an exaggeration there. Very good point. And this guy was my runner up for GOAT of the Week honors. I just had to give it to Kirk Cousins, but if it wasn't for Kirk Cousins, this guy would have been my GOAT of the Week. He was an absolute animal on Sunday night. Giants rookie pass rusher, Kayvon Thibodeau. How many times do you see a guy strip sack a quarterback, recover the ball, and recover it for a touchdown how many times do you see that on a single play you rarely see it that just sums up how special of a talent Kayvon Thibodeau is so truth or exaggeration Kayvon Thibodeau will end up being the best pass rusher from the 2022 draft class well David I, I've got to go with an exaggeration there because when we were talking about the draft before this year I said Aiden Hutchinson's going to end up so I still got to stand by my man in Detroit right now so I, we love Thibodeau that athleticism the the bend going around the corner as a pass rusher is just out of sight um, you know playing with a great motor this year but man Oh, you know, I'm sorry, Aiden Hutchinson, not just that singing ability, but also the play <laughs> on the field this year for the Lions. I still think Hutch is the best uh, coming out of this draft. I felt that way nine months ago, and, and he hasn't given me any reason to change my mind. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how these uh, pass rushers develop, but uh, 
I'm just a big believer in the, in Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, for all that yeah. talk that he oh. didn't care about football and he loved oh that place. plays, last Sunday should put all that talk to bed. He was everywhere on that field making tackle after tackle, 10, 15, if not 20 yards down the field. That's oh. how dedicated he is. That's how good he is. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him going forward. And going on to Kansas City and the Chiefs, where given their play the last three weeks, the Chiefs are no longer a shoe-in for the AFC's number one playoff seed. Truth or exaggeration? That is, I, I don't know if I can go <laughs> which way to go on this one. Um, you know what? Let me see. Buffalo on the road in Cincinnati next weekend. Uh, you know, that could be just enough. Nope. Kansas City, still, uh, exaggeration. Kansas City still number one seed. Uh, I, I, I can't pick Buffalo against Cincinnati and Cincinnati next week. So be just enough for, uh, for uh, you know, the Chiefs and, and Patrick Mahomes and company to get back on track. And uh, they should be able to pull out that number one seed. They should be able to beat Seattle and then Denver and Vegas the rest of the way easy peasy number one seed kansas city exaggeration oh we shall see it's going to be a very exciting next three weeks in the nfl and last but not least for truth or exaggeration for this week the afc south won't be decided until week 18 when the jaguars host the titans truth or exaggeration uh Truth. Uh, the Jaguars will not clinch the AFC South until they beat Tennessee in week 18. That is absolutely the truth. <laughs> and speaking of the Jaguars, let's pick every game in week 16, starting tonight in East Rutherford, New Jersey, where Trevor Lawrence and the Red Hot Jaguars face Zach Wilson and the New York Jets. This could be Zach Wilson's final chance to show that he could be the franchise quarterback that the New York Jets desire. But I think this game has a destiny kind of feeling to it, that the Jets were oh so close to getting the number one pick in 2021, <laughs> yet they beat the Rams in an upset and won another game the the following week. I, I forget who it was against, but uh, they just won their way out of Trevor Lawrence and got a guy who is uh, like a, a universe apart from Trevor <laughs> Lawrence as a quarterback. That's all there is to it. And this is the game that's going to show uh, that the Jets are going to pay a price. And I believe they are going to pay a price this game as the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence pull out another win. Do I hear a simpatico alert? You hear it indeed, David. Got the simpatico alert. I am all in on Jacksonville tonight. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty easy win for the Jags. I have absolutely no faith in the Jets offense right now. Um, I am sorry, but, you know, being forced to go with the number two overall pick, Zach Wilson, is a death knell. Uh, the team plays differently for Mike White. The players have basically come out and said to the media they prefer Mike White over Zach Wilson. Yeah. There's no going back and sugarcoating, and it's evident on the field as well. Uh, they just don't look the same on offense. And, you know, Wilson, 
I'll, I'll give him a little credit. He made a few more plays than I thought he would, but <laughs> the Detroit Lions defense isn't anything special there either. So, uh, you know, a little bit of a line there. And yes, you know, a great drive at the in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, to give them the lead. Sure, I'll give them all the credit in the world for that, but it isn't happening this week. Like you said, uh, you know, destiny in Jacksonville. This is what happens, you know, when 0-13 turns into 2-14. and 14. Uh, You know, Peyton Manning stayed at Tennessee another year because he didn't want to play for you Jets. Trevor Lawrence escaped by the, you know, it's just bad luck for the Jets. I'm oh, sorry. So, man. and I'll have it continue on Thursday night. Jacksonville 24, New York 10. The Bills are flying to Chicago today because of the bad weather coming to Buffalo, yet they're going to be playing in freezing cold Chicago temperature against the Bears. And given how bad their run defense looked against the Dolphins last week, they got Justin Fields and his 1,000 rushing yards to worry about this week. I picked the Bills to win, but I think the Bears are a pretty safe bet, dare I say, to cover the spread and make this a much closer game than many think. Bills 30, Bears 27. Yeah, why don't I just give the number one seed to Kansas City right now? (laughs) Chicago 14, Buffalo 10. Bomb Cyclone upset special. (laughs) Oh, many Bears fans won't like that because we (laughs) want the second overall pick of the draft. But uh, it's a factor in the weather, you know. Like bear weather. It's bear weather. Bear weather, you know. David Montgomery weather, uh, you know. Khalil Herbert coming back too. Khalil Herbert, you know. I mean, everything. If there's one weakness for the Bills, we've talked about all year, it's that run defense. So. Um, yeah, it could be the perfect storm here in Chicago on Christmas Eve. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I'll take the upset. Definitely, Hal. And now the New York Giants coming off that big win in D.C. that very possibly all but have assured them a playoff spot traveling to Minnesota to take on the gritty comeback kid Vikings. We diss the Vikings all the time on this show. Uh, I don't necessarily think they're a Super Bowl contender, but they do not suck at all, and they aren't frauds. I typed on Twitter that they were frauds at halftime of that cold skate, <laughs> and I immediately deleted it and apologized to the Vikings. Vikings, I, I still have my doubts about you guys in the playoffs, but not for the rest of this regular season. No way. You guys are just a gritty team that knows how to win, and as good as the Giants have been this season, you guys are still the better team, and you're at home. Vikings win this game. You know, I, I hate to, you know, pile on the Vikings the way we've been doing all year. But you know what? There's always a letdown after a game like that. And, you know, the fact that you gave up 33 first half points to the Indianapolis Colts, that terrible, terrible offense. Uh, you know, there's there's a little something there that's saying <laughs> that ain't right. So uh, lost to the Lions should have no business beating the Colts. Uh, I think the luck runs out here for Minnesota. I'm going with the Giants. Close game, but Giants 27, Minnesota 25. Oh, and that would be welcome news in Philly, dare I say, where the Eagles would gain an even larger cushion 
on the Vikings in the race for the NFC's number one playoff seed. And the red hot Detroit Lions at seven and seven, winners of six out of their last seven games go to Carolina to take on the Panthers. Yes, I commend Steve Wilkes for the job he's done in Carolina, but I just can't go against the Lions right now. They are just on fire, and they're playing oh-so-good football right now, and they are focused and eager to get into the playoffs, and they're not going to lose that focus one bit. Lions uh, take a tough one against the Panthers, 23-17. Uh, to 17. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think Carolina can put up the points. I love the defense there, but it's – just not the week that this is going to happen for them. I, I sorry, Carolina. Uh, tough game. Keep it close for a while. But Detroit 37, Carolina 22. The Saints still alive in the playoff picture at five and nine, like the Panthers are. Travel to Cleveland to take on the Browns, coming off a 13 to three win over the Ravens, and. I am going to go with the Browns here because uh, as good as the Saints looked last week, it was against the Falcons. Browns are a much better team than both of them. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, underachievers are us game right here. <laughs> uh, no doubt about it. Uh, Browns, way too talented a team on both sides of the ball to be six and eight. And, you know, New Orleans, you, you blew your chance. You should have been blowing it up this year. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, been you know trying to get a top pick here or whatever you know build for the future and instead you tried to bridge it with Dennis Allen and well the expected result is what we're seeing here and can I just say two words Andy Dalton <laughs> you know so with that Cleveland 20 New Orleans 13. This next game I have a very hard time picking you got the Falcons and Desmond Ritter, who looked like a deer in the headlights in his first career NFL start, going to Baltimore to take on the Ravens, who look like they're going to be without Lamar Jackson again. And after losing Rashad Bateman, their best wide receiver several weeks ago, they don't have Devin Duvernay anymore. Oh. as He suffered a foot injury in practice on Tuesday. So their wide receiver group is down at James Prochet, Savvy Watkins, who they got on waivers this week. Uh, Deshaun Jackson and a bunch of other guys. This is just not ideal for Snoop Hundley at all. On that said, the, the way the Ravens have been running the ball lately, I think that's going to be enough for them to, to beat the Falcons at how bad Desmond Ritter looked. Uh, Ravens are going to get the win, but it's not going to be easy. Let's say 16-13 Ravens. Yeah, I mean, Ravens, you're fighting for your playoff life right now. You know, you, you start losing a game and you start letting – you know, uh, you know, the risking of losing that spot in the playoffs as well as the, you know, teams are charging. Jacksonville's charging, which could push Tennessee into the wild card race. You still got, uh, despite last week, New England and New York are still alive in that race. So uh, Baltimore, this is a must win game. Um, and, you know, if we're going into a, a must win game, I got to put the money on John Harbaugh in that situation. So uh, somehow they'll pull it out. I'll make it a close one, 22 to 19 over Atlanta. Your New England Patriots who desperately need a win to keep their playoff chances alive post the red hot Cincinnati Bagels. Granted, both of these teams play very, very good defense, 
but the Patriots offense this season has quietly been an eyesore to watch. Uh, they just uh, cannot get anything going consistently. And Mac Jones definitely looks like he's taking a step back and it's going to be a close, relatively lower scoring game than some people are anticipating. But at the end of the day, the Bengals offensive talent against that Patriots offensive talent is just way too big of a mismatch for me to pick the Patriots in an upset. I like the Bengals to keep that winning streak going. Yeah, I mean, the Patriots offense right now is basically Ramondre Stevenson, who everybody should have been talking about after that Las Vegas game until he decided to start lateraling the football. Um, <laughs> which was a huge mistake there. Um, talking about him for the wrong reason. But up to that point, he was having an amazing game, um, you know, and... Yeah, I mean, Patriots defense, I think they'll keep uh, Cincinnati, uh, the score from getting out of control, but they just don't have the horses to keep up with that offense. Cincinnati 24, New England 17. The reeling, and I mean reeling, Tennessee Titans now at 7-7, seven and seven, coast the Houston Texans. Uh, while this might sound like a get-well game on paper, I got bad news for Titans fans. It does it look like Ryan Tannehill is going to be able to play again this season because of that ankle injury he suffered against the Chargers, according to longtime Titans beat reporter Paul Kuharski? And looks like they're going to have to go to Malik Willis down the stretch. While that might not bode well for them in their race against the Jaguars, they beat the Texans with Malik Willis last time, and they're going to do it again. Titans 20, Texans 17. Uh, you know, I, for some reason, I watched that game <laughs> with Malik Willis, and there was a reason he fell from everybody mocking him as the number two overall pick. Uh, where did he go? Third round? You know, th there was a reason for that. He is a work in progress. He is an athlete and not a quarterback yet. And for that reason alone, I've got to say, um, this is going to be the ugliest of the ugly games here, but um, I'm going to give it to Lovey here. Somehow, Houston will pull this out. Um, you know what? I'll figure it out for the bold prediction on how it happens. Houston 11, Tennessee 10. Ooh, can't wait to hear it. And at Arrowhead Stadium, the Chiefs in Chicago-style cold weather, or dare I say Siberian-style cold weather. <laughs> uh, Chicago and uh, Kansas City are only two such NFL cities that are going to have uh, such temperatures on Christmas Eve. The Chiefs host the desperate, reeling Seattle Seahawks. Gino Smith has been the most field story in the NFL this season, but the Seahawks are just coming apart because of that defense. That's all there is to it. And while I trust Gino and company to put up a fight offensively, I just cannot trust that Seahawks defense to make a stop when they need to against Patrick Holmes. Chiefs 31, Seahawks 23. Yeah, sound that simpatico, David. <laughs> I am right there with you. I see it playing out exactly the same. I have the Chiefs 29, Seattle 20. The Washington Commanders coming off that absolutely heartbreaking loss to the Giants at home last Sunday night. Travel to San Francisco to take on Brock Purdy and the 49ers. I had this game circled as a potential upset last week. And I'm still going to go for it because the Commanders, uh, they're going to be feeling angry 
and extra motivated to win. This is an even more crucial game for the commanders than it is for the 49ers because the 49ers, they already have their division wrapped up. And uh, the 49ers are highly unlikely to get that number one seed uh, in the NFC anyways. And the commanders, uh, I just think somehow, some way, Brock Purdy has to fall back to earth just a little bit. And I think the commanders have the defense to do it. I like the commanders in this game. Uh, 17 to 13. How do they do it? Stay tuned for bold predictions. I like it. I like it, David. I wish I had that conviction, but oh, San Francisco, just enough to get it done. 19 to 16 over Washington. And Christmas Eve night, the Steelers host the Raiders, both teams at six and eight, needing the miracle of miracles to get into the playoffs. Mike Tomlin still has a chance, after all, to keep his career-long streak of winning seasons going. Uh, if the Steelers win out, they finish 9-8. and eight. But that said, I think uh, it's a little too little too late. Because your offensive line, which is one of the worst of the league now, has to go up against the hottest pass rush duo in the NFL with Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, who is finally looking more like himself after a quiet start to the season. I like the Raiders in this game. Let's say 31-21. Ooh, that is a lot of points, David. I can't go there. I, you know, Vegas, you got lucky. You know, hey, house always wins in Vegas. That's all I can say. But this week, you're not in Vegas. You're in Pittsburgh. And um I got to go with the Steelers here. I think they'll find a way. I've got it 21 to 18 over the Raiders. And on Christmas Day, we start in Miami where the Dolphins host the Packers. The Packers desperately trying to keep their playoff hopes alive at 6-8. and eight, And the Dolphins desperately needing a win to maintain pole position for one of those two wildcard playoff spots in the AFC. And the Dolphins might have lost in heartbreaking fashion to Buffalo uh, last Saturday, as we mentioned, but they should feel very good about themselves coming out of that game because they gave it literally everything they needed, and they should be able to keep running the ball effectively against a very, very bad Packers run defense. And uh, the Packers, uh, they just uh, were fortunate going up against the Bears and the Rams their last two games to pull out two straight now their season comes back to reality. Uh, the Packers playoff hopes get uh, all but completely uh, washed away by the Dolphins in Miami. I like the Dolphins. Yeah, I I, I don't even have Green Bay keeping it close. Uh, you know, this is going to be the, you know, Sunday dinner and, you know, presents, whatever. You start snoozing on the couch and it's a great game for that miami 34 green bay 16 final nail in the coffin for green bay this year and in a battle for draft position between two teams that don't even have their original yeah. first round pick the broncos who uh are occupying the seahawks position in the draft with the number three overall pick Traveled to L.A. to take on the Rams, who occupied the Lions' highest first-round pick at number four overall. So, essentially, for a battle draft position, this is essentially Seahawks against Lions, dare I say. <laughs> uh, but that said, neither of those two teams care about because they don't have those picks anyway. 
uh, uh, both these teams are injury depleted. It's going to be one of the most boring, ugly Christmas games we'll ever, ever see. But then again, it all comes down to coaching. Sean McVay over Nathaniel Hackett, uh, 11 times out of 10. I like the Rams. Oh, I mean, geez, both of these teams. I mean, it feels like I should be picking a tie again, I think. <laughs> but no, I, no I, I can't go there. Uh, you know, Denver, you know, you, you've been in enough ugly games, I guess, uh, you know, in a rock fight, you're you're getting a little bit better in that situation. So uh, I'll say Broncos find a way to pull it out here somehow against the Rams. I have no clue. Just going with my gut here. Um, just like last week against Arizona, there's a win there and they somehow stumble across it. Denver 15, Rams 13. And on Christmas night in the desert, Tom Brady and the six and eight NFC South leading Bucks travel to Arizona to take on the Arizona Cardinals, who will be led by Trace McSorley in this game. As Colt McCoy will not play due to that concussion he suffered against the Broncos last week. And both these things are true. The Bucks will likely win the NFC South and likely dominate this game, but they shouldn't be taken seriously at all heading into the playoffs. They just aren't that good of a team anyway, but thankfully they have one of the worst teams in the NFL on their schedule uh, in the final three weeks of the season uh, to ice up that division, and that's exactly what they're going to do. Bucks 30, Cardinals 13. Yeah, another ugly Christmas game here. And like I've been saying, uh, you know, for quite a while now, all it's going to take is seven wins there to win the NFC South. So uh, this is the week. Uh, Tampa, I, I don't think I'd pick you the next two weeks anyway. So this is your chance to get win number seven. So uh, you've got to do it this week. Mm -hmm. uh, Arizona, uh, I, I mean, Tampa, every game's been ugly. I guess I got to go with an ugly game. Tampa 20, Arizona 19. Oh, and on Monday night, the Chargers, who have the playoffs right in front of them on a silver platter, Traveling to Indy to take on Jeff Saturday and his clown show, Indianapolis Colts. Uh, we talk about the Chargers charging all the time, but I just don't think that's possible against the Colts. Plus, the Chargers with uh, Indy this week, the Rams the following week, and the Broncos to close out the season. All they need to win is two more games, technically, to get into the playoffs. And I think they uh, continue on that track on Monday night. I like the Chargers, and it's not going to be close. Chargers 34, Colts 14, and the Colts will be starting Nick Foles, which is even a more puzzling decision. <laughs> oh, jeez. You know, I, I again, oh, everything's puzzling in Indianapolis. David, far too conservative in this game. If Indianapolis, if those players haven't quit yet, they certainly did after last week's performance. Chargers 56, Indianapolis 13. Ooh, I love it, Hal. And now it's time for our bold predictions. You have a bold prediction about the Texans in Tennessee, Hal? Yeah, so Texans, two things going to happen in this game that are going to lead them to the victory here. Uh, so first off, touchdown and two-point conversion. How are they going to get that touchdown? Which quarterback? Because God knows they're playing Drift, Jeff Driscoll. They're playing Davis Mills both. 
Why not have the wide receiver? They tried it last week. It didn't work. But let's have Philip Dorsett throw that touchdown and then catch that two-point conversion right after throwing that touchdown. And that final margin of victory, uh, how do they get the ball back? Hey, you know, you've got to beat the best. Somebody's going to have to to take on Derrick Henry and force that fumble in the final minutes of the game. Um we're looking at you, Houston. Who's going to step up? Is there anybody there? Hey, why not the veteran? Christian Kirkby causes the fumble inside the final two minutes of Derrick Henry. Kick the field goal. 11-10, Houston over Tennessee. That's my bold prediction. Ooh, I love it. My bold prediction is about the commander's defense. They will sack Brock Purdy six times, intercept Brock Purdy, three times and four skid to fumble deep inside the 49ers own territory twice. And that leads to two scooping scores that are the difference (laughs) in a 17, 13 win for the commanders. That is my bold prediction. (laughs) And as always, we conclude our program with our challenge flags. You go first again here. Hal. All right. Well, uh, after last week, I'm calling out all 32 NFL owners and commissioner Roger Goodell Um, Guys, the NFL profits are obscene, the amount of money, the billions of dollars that you make. So spend some of that money on technology to ensure that these plays, whether it's through replay, put a chip in the ball, have blazers down the sideline. I don't care what it is. Um, Come on, make your replay at least as efficient and accurate as soccer. God's sake, tennis is so far ahead of you on this. It's an embarrassment to be sitting here holding up games for five minutes while a 60-year-old official is staring into a tiny little screen, squinting with his head (laughs) tucked in there. It's an embarrassment. Hire a replay official who handles all replays for every single game. Invest in the technology. Take this guesswork out of the game and make it better. My God, please, NFL, be as good as tennis at minimum, please. Oh, I love it. And that ties in perfectly to my challenge flag, which goes to all NFL officials. Throw a flag when there's blatant pass interference, regardless of what moment in the game it occurs. Chris Collins' work was right. Most NFL officials tend to let them play, as they say, in the final seconds of a game. But that was the most obvious pass interference we will ever see at the end of that Giants-Commanders game last Sunday. Yet it wasn't called, and that could very well be the difference between the Commanders making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. Oh, my goodness. For the love of God, just... Be consistent and apply the exact same standard to pass interference at all other calls at every juncture of the game. Just do not have a certain mindset that makes you want to avoid making those calls. 
late in the game. Just make the same call you would have earlier in the game. It's that simple. That is my challenge flag. And he is Hal Bent, ladies and gentlemen, a full press coverage. Follow him on Twitter at HalBent01. Hal, thank you so much once again. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back next week to recap week 16, preview week 17, and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the National Football League. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrump 59 as well as on Instagram and now TikTok at Sports Crunch with Dcrump. And remember, that's Crunch with AK. For Hal Bet, this is David Cromlow. And as always, choose love, choose kindness, choose compassion, choose selflessness, and choose empathy, which are some of the core characteristics of some of the best teammates and teams. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool. And to all celebrating, a happy Hanukkah and a very Merry Christmas. Take care, everybody. Enjoy the weekend. <laughs>